So let me read our communion meditation is from Numbers 14. And I'll read only three verses from number four, Numbers 14. And they are verses 36 to 38. Let's give ear to God's word. Now the men whom Moses sent to spy out the land, who returned and made all the congregation complain against him by bringing a bad report of the land, those very men who brought the evil report about the land died by the plague before the Lord. But Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, remained alive of the men who went to spy out the land. Father, please uh, have our minds to be guided by your word and your spirit alone. We give you thanks for both in Christ's name. Amen. All righty. Now, I skipped a lot, obviously. I skipped right to the punchline of the uh, text that we're in, and so I need to uh, fill in all the backstory. At least, uh, hopefully, this will make sense. I'll read portions of the story of the spies entering the land, and I will uh, summarize portions. So let's start in Numbers 13, verses 1 and 2. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel from each tribe of their fathers. You shall send a man, every one, a leader among them. And so then the men are chosen, and they are sent and uh, I'll skip over uh, all of their visit, really, and I'll get down to verse 27 in chapter 13. Then they told him and said, We went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. And they have the branches and the boughs of the grapes. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. And then they went on to speak of the Nephilim, the people of Anak, the, these large giants that fill this land, and that the cities are fortified, and uh, it sounds pretty scary. The people are all upset by this point, and you can see that with what I start with in verse 30. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. So you've got this opposition, you've got these people that are getting riled up. And now let's skip down to 14.1. And uh, I won't bother reading all of this portion, but I'll speak to it. Uh, the uh, uh, leaders, or the, uh, the malcontents, want to appoint leaders to return them to Egypt. And... Uh, how many times have we heard that uh, in the last couple of years in their time away from Egypt? So now let me skip ahead to verse 5 in 14. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. But Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes. And they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, The land we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. And all the congregation said to stone them with stones. Now the glory of the Lord appeared at the tabernacle in the tabernacle of meeting before all the children of Israel. So God appeared to stop these courageous men from being killed. And let me go on to, oh, and then Moses intercedes 
prays, uh, intercedes because God says, step aside, Moses, let me kill them all and I'll start over. Moses says, no, please, God, don't do that. And then, and he upholds God's honor. He said, uh, the Egyptians will say this of you. They will say this of you. And so he intercedes selflessly for these people. And uh, then we appear at verse 20. Then the Lord said, I have pardoned according to your word, but truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Because all these men who have seen my glory and the signs which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and have put me to the test now these ten times and have not heeded my voice, they certainly shall not see the land of which I swore to their forefathers, nor shall any of those who rejected me see it. And then I'll skip to 29. The carcasses of you who have complained against me shall fall in this wilderness, all of you who were numbered according to your entire number from 20 years old and above, except for Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun. You shall by no means enter the land which I swore I would make you dwell in. But your little ones, whom you said would be victims, I will bring in, and they shall know the land which you have despised. But as for you, your carcasses shall fall in this wilderness. And then we will end with what I opened with. Now the men whom Moses sent to spy out the land, who returned and made all the congregation complain against him by bringing a bad report of the land, those very men who brought the evil report about the land died by the plague before the Lord. But Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh remained alive of the men who went to spy out the land. There is so much that I've just summarized, and it will be difficult to cover all of that content. It would take way too long. This is a community meditation. I need to keep it brief. I haven't always, but I'll try. And so uh, I'm going to speak to one specific aspect, a thread that is woven through here, and it is the contrasts in the leadership that we see. All of these men, these 12 men that went into the land were leaders. Right at the beginning of our text, it said that that's how they were chosen. They were leaders of their tribes. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers you shall send a man, everyone a leader among them. So Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran. These men were leaders. Now, leaders aren't always good. Leaders are often bad leaders. They're in that position, but they ought not be, in all honesty. When you contrast these leaders, as I will now, you can just see. It's, it's obvious that you have good leaders and bad leaders. First, the courage of Joshua and Caleb. They are two men who have been with these, these other ten. You can't imagine that on a 40-day trip, they haven't been talking about all that they've been seeing and what it means to them. They've probably been trying to convince these men to overcome their fears of these giants that they've seen, of these fortified cities. They've arrived back, and immediately the ten fan the fears of the people into flame. And it was Caleb that spoke up to quiet them, quiet them, let me share. So he quieted them and then said, let us go up at once and take possession of the land. So Caleb was just very courageous. And then you have later on, after God says, I'm going to destroy them, step aside, Moses. I am tired of dealing with this. And Moses advocates for these people. So here with Moses, you have great humility. You have great selflessness and courage. He's facing up to these people that now want to stone them and abandon them in the desert. 
And here you have Moses, Aaron, Caleb, and Joshua. Moses and Aaron kneel before God, and uh, Joshua and Caleb are said to tear their clothes. So they immediately intercede for the people to God, this God who is expressing anger at the opposition the people have to him, at this faithlessness they're exhibiting. And then you have the faith of this same group of men exercised, and I'll, let me read from 14.9. The Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Because they're advocating, go up, go up. Their protection is abandoned. God will give them to us. I don't care how big they are. I don't care how uh, fortified their cities are. So you have courage, humility, great faith in God. And then you have the selflessness and wisdom of Moses exhibited throughout his intervention. By contrast, these other ten lacked courage. They lacked faith. They lacked leadership skills and abilities in that they are not coming back and just reporting to their leader, Moses. Instead, they are inciting rebellion amongst the people because they themselves are fearful and they do not want to go into this land. And they're uncomfortable with Moses alone making the decision to do that as it is his responsibility to do. So they're undermining Moses' authority in this action. So they were all leaders, but 10 of them were not very good. Now Moses was a great leader. What tribe was Moses from? Levi. Caleb and Joshua were great leaders. What tribe was Caleb from? Anybody know? Judah. Judah, sort of. See, Phil will know that there's a sort of in there. But Judah, ostensibly. Which tribe is Jacob from? Anybody know? Ephraim. When you read the narratives and the future histories of all these peoples, who are the most dominant peoples that influenced their whole culture for centuries? The Levitical priesthood, Judah, the kings, and Ephraim of the hill country. Very, very courageous. The Ephraimites were courageous, and they dominated for centuries. And so, see, God rewarded these two spies and Moses and Aaron for their faithfulness at this point in time. Faith was tested, and it was found wanting amongst just vast swaths of these people, and God took them out because of this. Now, leaders must not be foolhardy, but they must be courageous. So when it's clear that you have to proceed, you must proceed. You must suppress your fears, overcome your fears, and move forward. Anybody in the military knows this. You have to function despite your fears. Policemen, firemen, anybody in these situations, they have to overcome their fears to function well. So now, sadly, these 10 men ought not have been leaders. They were not courageous. They were not wise. They were not filled with faith, yet they were leading these people. So see, many in leadership ought not be there. We face the same thing in our culture. The church has many leaders that ought not be there. Our society, our civil society, has many leaders that ought not be there. We should be raising the standard for leaders. For our leaders within this church and CPC throughout our nation. And so that's what the table's all about. Who is the perfect model of servant leadership? Christ. Christ is the perfect leader. And so anybody that wants to be a leader must pattern themselves after Christ. And so many in our society 
would not accept that. Even people who claim to be Christians, who say by taking that name that they're followers of Christ, do not believe that he would be the right model for them in their business or in whatever it is they're pursuing. We ought not be so. Our leader is Christ, and our proper model is Christ. So as we come to the table, I want that to be your prayer, that we would raise up leaders in the vein of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the fact that you turn this world upside down by your wisdom, that it is the wisdom of this world that is at fault and that is faulty. And yet uh, it is so difficult even to convince Christians of this, to abide by your word, despite what it is that the world conveys that is otherwise. Lord, we bow before you. We acknowledge that we are a part of this world and that we are prone to be swayed by its influence. But we ask you, Lord, to lead us safely away from such influence, that we would be solely guided by the Lord Jesus Christ and by the wisdom of your word. We ask these things in his name and for the sake of his, the growth of his kingdom on this earth. Amen.